0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. On today's show, we'll be picking Wisdom's test team of the 90s, only taking into account performances from January 1st, 1990, to 31st December 1999. I'm Yaz Rana and picking that team today is the editor-in-chief of the Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine, new magazine out next week. Phil Walker, how's it going Phil?
2: Yeah not bad thank you on a Friday night cracking Uh-oh. into my wisdom embossed beers that have been released in the last couple of days.
1: Yeah don't yeah. worry we'll, we'll be spending plenty of time talking about them later in the show. Um, we've got enough. the
3: editor-at-large
1: of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, John Stern. How's it going John?
3: Yeah very well thank you Yes.
1: And our very special guest, a man with 100 test caps, 16 test hundreds and coming to us live from South Africa over Zoom, where he is with the England white Bull squad at the moment, Graham Thorpe. Graham, thanks a lot for joining the show. How's the trip going so far?
0: Well, it's, it, it's gone well. You know, we've, we're, we're three, four days in. We've had three very good days of practice and we've got our um, inter-squad uh, match tomorrow, um, hopefully leading up uh, to the, uh, the first T20 game on next Friday.
1: How are you and the uh, players finding bubble life? Some of the guys, particularly the guys who went out to the IPL, they've been in bubbles pretty much non-stop since the start of June.
0: Yeah, it's it it is uh, it, it's different, and um, uh, the fact that I think what every player would say um, they uh, uh, not necessarily be able to have families, potentially being able to come and travel and see them, um, it's something they have to get used to. Um, uh, but uh, at the same time, I think they understand the responsibilities of what what we're all trying to do, which is uh, keep cricket out there, support um, uh, the the cricket bodies which are hosting uh, matches as well, and trying to get it um, uh, uh, safely safely through um, and, and and complete these uh, tours. I mean, we were very fortunate in the summer in England to get the amount of cricket which we did. Um, and as I say a different environment for players to, to get uh, to get their heads around but I think if you speak to a lot of players they they understand that that is that it's their jobs the same as us as coaching them it's it's our jobs which we love doing um, but we're doing it in a slightly different way um, and and I think that as you've probably seen we're quite aware of, of the amount of cricket which some of our players are playing and how we have to manage them through through um, uh, this, this period of during the uh, the COVID uh, situation.
2: Just, just coming in here, Graham, watching Joffre during the IPL, I mean, we all know knew that he was a superstar and he's obviously already done some amazing things, not just for our our team, but around the world. But it seemed like he'd almost moved up another level during the IPL when he was going to barely a tick over a runner ball um, and was cleaning up the best of the best and they were barely hanging yeah. on against him. It looked like a test match. When he was bowling from time to time, and, and obviously I, I, I watched
0: um, quite a fair amount of uh, of that cricket actually from the IPL, and um, and Jofra in particular, yeah, you know, a lot of the information coming back was that some of the teams, you know, were, were wary of taking him on because they knew his ability to take wickets in uh, in in those first two overs. So um, yeah, he performed magnificently in that tournament, um, and uh, he, you might say that he's further down the line is development in a way in, in white ball cricket. You know, we know we have a, a an absolute uh, top notch uh, fast bowler. He, he came into the world cup squad. You know, and it was quite obvious that, you know, it, it didn't take it. Um, you know, too many people to think, should we be picking this guy? Um, and uh, as you say, he, he bowled the super over it, you know, in a world cup final. That's how my much he was trusted, and, and and the level of his skill. So he's a uh, he's a player who we know we have to look after. We we would love his development to continue as well in in the in the Red Bull game as well. And uh, we have to work very closely with him and manage manage him as a player as well. But uh, he's a as you can imagine, a very valued member of our squad.
2: On the Red Bull thing with Jofra, what does, what does he really need to do, Graham? Do you think because his is stats still bear up very very strong he didn't have the greatest of summers last year but considering he's just getting going really with the red ball what 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 do you think he needs to do in order to get the red ball stuff up to the the world class level that he's already at with the white ball well continue to play i mean
0: some, sometimes because of the impact he's had on the game so quickly um in in his career sometimes expectations can become very very high um and uh, yeah, from our perspective, uh, we, we really want him to just continue. I mean, often the speeds get mentioned with, with his bowling, which, um, with, which I hear at times. And probably the most important thing in, in test cricket at times is accuracy. As, we, as we'll probably discuss some of our bowlers in this po- podcast tonight, accuracy is one of the things, you know, which uh, uh, the best bowlers have always had. Um, and, and that would probably be um, uh, his biggest thing really, yeah, as, as, as a fast bowler in Red Bull cricket um, to, to become a, a very accurate fast bowler as well. Um, and to do that, you have to play. You know, if you, if you look at some of the, uh, the cricketers over the years who have become world-class players in you know, all formats, and Red Bull, Red Bull cricket in particular, they're very accurate bowlers. They, they continue to build pressure on batsmen, and actually they don't allow them to score runs. And that's uh, that's a starting point. So that would be the, his his uh the, I would say his biggest uh, development, you know, as as a, as a red Bull cricketer. But I'm sure with with more um, games under his belt um, and the more comfortable he feels, and also managing managing him as a, as a as a player and the amount of overs he actually bowls, as well, it um, uh, will be the, the the key factor going forward with him, I
1: think. I think we're, we're all really looking forward to the resumption of international cricket, particularly in lockdown 2.0. Um, well, let's crack on with our 11 then. Uh, so as I mentioned at the top, we're only taking into account performances from January the 1st, 1990 to December 31st, 1999. A few rules for the team. Uh, we need at least four frontline bowlers. We need a wicketkeeper. Um, and I need you guys to pick a captain for me by the end. Um, let's start at the top. Graham, who are your openers and why have you gone for them?
0: So I've gone at the top. My two openers are Alex Stewart and Sachin Tendulkar. Interesting. Well, I I I, I wanted obviously. Um, I'm I'm generally a, a, a coach who likes my players to be able to put bowlers under pressure. Um, so in Alec in, in, in that period, and obviously I played a lot with him. And when he when he opened the batting, he was somebody. If you bowl a bad ball to him, it generally went to the boundary. Um, and, and so from, from that perspective, and he was highly respected against um, playing against fast bowling um, through his career. Um, and, and his record would say in that period as well, uh, that he was, uh, he was highly successful. Um, I've taken the gloves away from him, you know, and that's why I put him, I put him at the top because that's where generally I saw him as uh, the, the world-class player, the world-class batsman that he was uh, for England. Uh, during that period
1: yeah it's interesting Stuart had scored more runs than anyone else in the world in the 90s Um, and when you just include his performance at the top of the order uh, I think over the course of his career he averaged 47 in the batting Um, that dropped a little bit lower just in the 90s so a formidable record at the top Uh, John who have you gone for
3: (laughs) so I went I mean it's a very good case for Stuart and I feel slightly Shame-faced not having picked him particularly in present company, but um, I went for Graham Gooch and Saeed Anwar. Um, Graham Gooch played only the first half of the 90s and, you know, was it towards the end of his career, as we know. But I think, you know, for a period in the early 90s, he was, you know, pretty much, you know, arguably the best batsman in the world, certainly one of the best and certainly one of the best openers. Um, he averaged 51 in the '90s, I believe, um, 45 tests, four four thousand runs, 1200s, um, and that you know the, the the 1990 series away in the West Indies, um, when he was captain, got injured part way through, was a you know remains one of the great you know England overseas performances against a really strong side, given where England were at at the time. Um, you've got his three three three, and you've also got. You know the one five four at Headingley and ninety one, which is you know routinely regarded as one of the great innings by an England batsman. Um, Syed Anwar. I mean, you know Graham rightly talks about people getting on with it. Syed Anwar, other than Jai Sarria, Syed Anwar scored quicker than any opener in the in the nineties. Um, scored nine hundreds, average forty eight. I think played a, a belting innings at the Oval in I'm guessing ninety six, but there's One thing I came across while while checking this out was that, so um, in Calcutta, February 1999 in Calcutta, um, which was basically the third test of a series, but it was actually part of the Asia Test Championship. Pakistan hadn't played um, on Indian soil for 13 years. Um, He scored 188, carried his bat for 188 out of 316 um, in a game where no one else scored more than 79. Um, Pakistan were 26 for 6 on the opening morning, uh, all out for 185. And then he's basically his second-inning score was, was more than their entire first-inning score. Um, it was, According to Wisden, it was the best-attended Test match in, in history, um, whether that's been overtaken since, I doubt it, because basically 100,000 there every day, until after two riots, the game was called off and it was play, well, it played out in front of no one. Um, the first riot was when Sachin Tendulkar got run out. Um, which, uh, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've, I've gone for, you know, right hand, left hand, um, Gooch to, to be solid and uh, Anwar to slash it through point, I guess. <laughs>
2: Phil? Like that. So I've gone, I've gone with the same as you here, John. I've gone with Gooch and Anwar as well. And, and yeah. Anwar became an irresistible choice for me, really. <clears throat> I remember that innings in 96, the one that you mentioned, 170 odd, I think it was, at the Oval, and and I was actually at that game as a kid, so I remember watching that innings, and it was a staggering piece of work, really. And and his record stands up. He averaged 46 as an opening bat during that the decade, but it was the manner in which he got those runs as well. And and you mentioned that 188. That was that was the game where Shoaib Akhtar cleaned up uh, Dravid and Tendulkar two in two with two in swinging New Yorkers. It was just one of the great Test matches, really, of the decade, and. And Anwar dominated that game, really. Um, So, yeah, I've I've lent that way as well. And I've also gone with Gucci. Um, Gucci kind of defined the early part of that decade, really, for me. As as, as an England fan, becoming acquainted with the sort of uneven nature of this England team, that we'd go to Australia and get turned over and then we'd come back to England and then there'd be the shoots of recovery and so on, and then it would be two steps forward and one step back. But Gucci was that that constant throughout really and and to to be in his late 30s and to have averaged 52 and a bit in that decade over I've got it here 45 games so it's a significant sample size really and to have done it all while looking like he'd rather be anywhere else than opening the batting for England um, and carrying that side against some serious attacks as well i mean you mentioned obviously the 150 at Headingley Ambrose Walsh Patterson etc marshall as well in that side but also he made 100 as well against uh, Pakistan the following year. Wazi, Waka, Mushtak as well. And then made 193 Graham's debut series as well. He made 100 before punching one off his off stump for a handled ball at, at Old Trafford. That was against Warren and the like. So he was getting big runs, but big runs against all-time attacks, serious attacks. So, yeah, I couldn't really resist those two. Um, I've gone with those. Graham, just to come back to your... your your bid to put Sachin up top. You do understand,
0: gentlemen, I I am changing the goalposts a little bit here. Right. Based on on actually being on the park with some of these people. So I I didn't want to delve too closely into just the stats. And that's probably why I'm the anomaly here around the uh, table tonight. And I thought, I have to get Sachin into my team because he was a a brilliant technician. Um, He would... If I, if I told you my, the best players I played against in my era um, were Lara, Tendorka, Ponting, Callis and Steve Waugh. They were the five best players I played against on the cricket field, really as batsmen. And so that, that, that's why I, 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 within my team selection, um, I've, I've looked at the stats and then I've tried to uh, just apply what I saw on the cricket field. Um, even though I know in the 90s some of their records uh, hadn't quite developed into the players they became. So I had to find a place for Sachin, and he had to go at the top for me <laughs> because I believed that he would do the job with it as a great technician. Uh, so we've well, I mean, been different we're being different selectors around the table here.
3: <laughs> would he do the job at all, though, Graham? It's quite a big call to say Sachin... Sorry, mate, if we're, you know, playing against uh, some of the great fast bowlers in, of, the, of the era, if you could just go up <laughs> top, mate.
0: Yeah, well, this, this is PlayStation selection, so. <laughs>
2: no, I, think, I reckon, no, right. I mean, one thing we can surely agree on is that Satchin makes our team. He makes our team somewhere.
3: He sneaks, he sneaks in. You, you yeah. don't
2: always want selectors to agree. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That would not be fun at all.
1: I think I think we'll definitely find space for Sachin to go down. I mean, just Graham quickly on on Gooch. Uh, you the England team that you came into had Gooch in that era. What what was the, what was he like to share dressing with as a youngster?
0: Yeah, so I mean, on my debut, obviously 1993, for Australia Trent Bridge. You know, that I got I got a, a a hundred and I batted with Gooch in the second innings, and he got a hundred as well. Um, I always, I always say to people nowadays when people get hundreds, there's helmets off, there's, there's hugging, you know, there's, there's, there's everything going on. I can remember Graham Gooch got his hundred and um, I was batting with him at the time and I went down there and uh, uh, he kind of raised his bat, you know, kind of, there was no histrionics at all with him and, and I just shook his hand, you know, <laughs> and that was it, and that was it. And I can remember when I got my hundred in the second innings, Uh, NASA was batting with me. I'd obviously played a lot of cricket with as a as a youngster coming through. I remember I took my helmet off and I grabbed NASA. You know, I've I've got a picture in my loo. um, Yeah, with with NASA on on my debut and I'm grabbing him. You know, uh, around his neck. (laughs) And uh, uh, that was probably the the difference. But look, so so with 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 uh, with Gucci for me, I. And then I toured in '94 with him, you know, on the to Australia, uh, where probably his his powers were were fading a little bit. Um, and so, Gucci and Gat were, uh, were retired on that '94 tour, which was my first Ashes tour to Australia. So I know he's a, he, he's a great, um, but I tried to just put my my own blend on it around the players, which I probably uh, saw in front of me all the time doing really well.
1: Um, we've got to we've got to make a decision. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> with, uh, with with presuming that Sachin gets in the side in the middle order, um, we need to pick two of Stuart Gooch and Saïd Anwar over to you guys.
2: Well, I can I can absolutely see the case for Alex Stewart opening the batting for England um, and for this this World Eleven. As you said, yes, yeah, he scored more runs in this decade than any other player alive. If he hadn't been in some respects. A victim of his own brilliance and his own versatility, and taking the gloves on, then he could have been one of England's all-time great opening batsmen. The record is there; he, those double hundred, the, the, the twin hundreds in Barbados. With Graham chipping in with an eighty, odd I think, in one of the innings as well. Back at uh, second innings, I think it might have been. Yeah. He showed, he showed against the greats that he could pull it off, Alex Stewart. Absolutely, and and Gooch. Maybe there's an element of sentimentality in there with me. I mean, I'm an Essex boy and I, I, I was at the at Lord's when he made the triple and so on as a, as a kid. But Stuart's record across the, the, the decade itself probably makes a, a pretty persuasive case to, to slip him in there. I'm, I'm going to go out, out to bat for Anwar because he's, he's yeah. one of the dreamboat lefties that I've ever seen. And, and I like to mix it up with the nationalities as much as possible as well. And I think I, I like Anwar in there as a, as a Southpaw opening back but I'm certainly I can hear for Stuart what do you think John
3: yeah I'm 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 persuaded I mean I'm slightly embarrassed and and this is prejudice is probably you know anti surrey prejudice I'm a real sex man anti-Chelsea prejudice I'm a West Ham (laughs) fan so it's the Gooch thing I don't know um so you know it's confessional here now you know in front of um Graham but yeah so I I mean I I sort of I'll be honest I kind of sidelined Stuart and then I sort of came back to it and you know Six six and a half thousand runs across the period that we are talking scored more runs as you say than any person in the decade that's a pretty and and against decent decent bowlers for're going to say so yeah and and gooch, yeah, I mean we're talking about specifics and we're talking about half a decade, so yeah i'm 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 with you Phil, there that that stewie can can very much get in and and the point you make is right that you know he 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 batted in different places, gloves, not gloves, whatever. And if he'd just been that opening batsman, then who knows? And it's easy to sort of overlook the way in which he took the attack to bowlers. Now, because we're so used to seeing batsmen, whatever number they're batting, particularly openers, going at it, it was a big deal for him to be going at it with, you know, when it wasn't It wasn't easy. <laughs> um, and there were players who, you know, whether it's Graham, Nasser, Ramps, whatever, who maybe felt constrained at certain points and,
0: and Stu was out there, you know, smashing it. Glad you, I'm glad you conceded on, on, <laughs> on that one for me, gentlemen. I yeah. mean, I have to say Alec was a big influence on my career with the way how positive he was as a player. Um, you know, he, he, would, he would talk to me about how, how quickly you could uh, try to get on top of, of a good bowler. He said, good bowlers will not bowl you, uh, just randomly bad deliveries. You know, you have to find a way within your technique of putting pressure on them. So he was a he was a big influence uh, for me, obviously, as a you know uh, being in the Surrey dressing room with him, and then you know obviously being younger than him, and then playing for England and him. He was we were different in characters, don't get me wrong, but I I, I learned a lot, uh, a hell of a lot from him um, about how he went his uh, about his business as a as a guy, the way he practiced, and the way actually on the pitch he always tried to take. A positive an attitude out to, to score runs against them. Um, so thank you, lads. Um, I'm, I'm sure I'm going sure to lose my other opener
1: here. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to go Stuart and Anwar up top. Um, moving on Yay. to the middle order, you all picked uh, Sachin, Lara and Steve War in your 11s. So we won't dwell too long on those three. Um, before we started recording, John reminded me, Graham, um, that you and Daryl Hare were the only two people other than Laura himself to be on the field for both Lara's 375 and Lara's 400. Uh, yeah, so just a question on right. that. What, what did you feel when you when you shared a field with Laura? What, what was he like to watch up close?
0: Well, similar, similar to someone like Alec, who was obviously you know, uh, 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 from the same county and the same country, Brian Lara had a massive influence on me as well. Um, having um, been on the on a cricket field with him. And it was on that first tour when I went to uh, the West Indies in 93. Um, you might remember I was bowled uh, um, in the first four innings. I was bowled twice in Jamaica and twice in Guyana uh, by the West Indian bowlers. And um, I can remember Jeffrey Boycott came up to me in the hotel um, after the um matching Guyana and he said to me he said you need to watch how lara bats he said you know you're 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 static you're a robot right <laughs> he was quite very he was very critical which uh, actually it, it, it hurt me a little bit but i remember i went back to my hotel room and i thought he's got he's, he's got a point he's absolutely right and i can remember i went into the nets uh, at trinidad which was the third test match um, and I decided I would try to bat like Lara in the nets, you know. And uh, and I'd watched him play. I've been on the same park with with with, uh, with Lara, and I just I I just was you yeah, uh, know completely taken away by a guy. And Angus Fraser and our bowlers would say that wasn't a bad delivery. I bowled to him, and he'd slice it for four through backward point because it was high bat lift his foot movement and if you bowled short he just hit, hit it up, hit it off his hip and if you pitched it up he drove it down so he had a he had a technique which if you did not hit what we i used to i say to our cricketers now if you don't hit the saucepan you know or the, the little plates right the best batsman in the world will score off you and that's what i learned from watching lara bat so um yeah it, it, uh, he was he was somebody who had a massive influence on me as, as a player and I and I tried to copy him. I didn't, uh, I took little bits from him um, and then I tried to mould it back into what, what I was as a player. So, um, yeah, I mean, Brian Lauer probably scored more runs uh, you know, against England when I was playing them than any other player. And uh, he, he got obviously 400, he got a 300, he got a few doubles, he got plenty of centuries. Um, and I loved watching him back. And um, he would probably be my, uh, all the players I played against is the number one player, the number one batsman.
2: He was the first name on my sheet. Um, the, the '90s began really with Lara at Sydney against a young Warn in '91, and he made two seven seven at Sydney, and that was his first Test hundred. Lara's Richie Beno said at the time that it was the most, the best sustained display of hitting he'd seen since Sobers. And from that moment on, he dominated the decade, really. And he did it against the big lot. He did it against Australia at the start and at the end of that decade. And, and while there were some internal issues within the West Indies setup, and he wasn't much of a captain by all accounts, and he could be slightly surly and maybe a little bit uh, insular at times, when he was on it, there was just no one else like him. And, and that series against a rampant Australia side in '99 when he made a double at Jamaica, a quick hundred at Antigua in 70 balls or something. And obviously the famous 153 not out to win that game at Barbados on his own. Uh, They were nine down chasing 300 and and he got the lot and he dominated that, that Australian side, full strength Australian side. And he did it on his own. No other player really in the decade had that ability to, to, to take a series and bend it to his own will, I think. And, and then the style, of course, uh, it, all, it all adds up. So Lara, Lara at three, for me, was, was comfortably the first name on the sheet.
1: And quickly, we don't need to talk about them for that long, but, but Satchin's record was obviously absolutely incredible over the course of the 90s. It's called 5,600 5, runs at 58, 2200s, uh, four more than anyone else. Um, and Steve Waugh, 6,200 runs at 53, 1800s. As I said, all three of you picked those three uh, but this is where it does get quite tricky we need to find one more middle order batsman and between you guys you came up with a lot of different names actually so let's start with John. John who would you most like to join Sachin, Steve War, um, and Lara in that middle order?
3: Well I picked Mark War actually um, and which slightly surprised me in a way because I sort of I guess he partly suffers by comparison with his brother but I mean, he scored fourteen hundreds at number four. Obviously one of the greatest slippers of all time. Averaged forty in the West Indies. Um, he scored, I mean, basically he scored five thousand runs at number four. No one scored more in that position over the course of the decade. And, you know, Phil mentioned the style of Lara. I'm I'm with these kind of things, I'm a bit of a sucker for a bit of style and a bit of flair as well, even though it's not like we're short of it, but um so yeah, I went, I went for, for what, for Mark War. I mean, uh, you know, because I was, I didn't have Alec at the top. I mean, Stuart would have been another option. Um, Azaruddin is an option, but I decided not to go down that route. Um, for reasons perhaps we don't need to go into. Um, and Aravinda De Silva was kind of knocking around as well, but, um, yeah, so I just, I went for Mark War. I mean, um, you know, he was, he was, uh, Clearly, you know, had his ups and downs, but um, and I think he got five ducks in Sri Lanka in the ty- in the during the nineties, average nine or something, you know, four four on the bounce or whatever. So, yeah, you could hardly call him Mister Consistent. Um, the other one I just throw in the throw in the mix, so actually was for a number three option, was was David Boone, Actually, twelve hundreds at number three, um, but you know, and again, just a great character, great, you know, scored a lot of runs against England, but yeah, unfortunately. Booney loses out against some all-timers. But yeah, Mark Wall was my my pick.
1: Phil, you, you didn't pick Mark Wall, which I was quite surprised by.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I, I,
2: I went with his brother because I thought we needed a captain of this side. Um, and I thought that Steve Wall would probably be the only one who would have balls big enough to tell people what to do in this, in this team of egos mm. and, and powerhouse cricketers. But I was very tempted by Mark War. And what's interesting about the comparison between the two, John, you say that he maybe suffered by comparison with his brother, but the, the records are a lot more similar than I, I maybe thought as well. Mark War passed 50, and I don't want to kind of go down a stacked rabbit hole here, but Mark War passed 50 54 times in the 90s, and Steve War passed 50 46 times in the 90s. What The difference is that Steve War made it count. Steve War was not out 160s, 170s a double hundred at Headingley in that terrible test match in 93. He he used to grind home and make sure he had the red inker at the end. Whereas Mark Waugh would come in, charm the pants off you for a couple of hours, get a 70 or an 80 odd, and then, then Nick off to slip. That's my kind of cricketer far more than Steve, but we needed a captain. So I went with Steve Waugh, but only really by a, by a whisker. Uh, Mark was. Mark Worry is obviously a dreamboat of a batsman. I think everybody knows that. But the the numbers are there too. And he would make important runs. He he, he made a, a brilliant fourth innings, 100 against South Africa as well at Cape Town and always got runs against us, always seemed to get runs against us. And as you say, probably the best second slip, maybe him and Callis that I've ever seen. Um, so it was very, very tight. But in the end, I left Mark War on the bench. And I went with Aravinda. You mentioned him. I went with Aravinda at, at, at five, actually, with Steve War at six. Um, Aravinda, what, four and a half feet? No more than that. Um, and he could pull and hook good length balls wherever he went. Um, Aravinda made 600s against Pakistan and 500s against India. I mean, we didn't really play Sri Lanka. You know, such was, such was our kind of attitude, I suppose or the suits, administrators' attitudes at the time to so, Lankan so cricket. But not only did he win a World Cup, obviously, in one-day cricket, but but that, that number of runs, 1100s against the big two Asian sides, averaged 47 through the 90s and did it with a unique kind of technique and a unique kind of style. It, you know, it hold the bat with a massive gap between the, between the, the hands. He'd, the the pickup would be perpendicular to the body and, He was just a phenomenal player to watch, a unique player for me to watch. And the numbers are also there. Plus, I wanted a Sri Lankan in there. I wanted to sex it up as much as possible. What have you
0: got, Graham? Those arguments, which you're saying. So, my the bit where I changed the goalposts um, Mm. were, obviously, I had Ponting in, because I was influenced by Ponting. I thought he was an incredible player. Um, You know, a great hunger for scoring runs. So, my my uh, my brackets was because Callis to me was a colossal. It was a colossus of a player for me. You know, once he got in, so very similar, very different. From Mark War, so i played and knew Mark War's character quite well. Um, Mark War would be well. Once I've got a hundred, yeah. What else is there to do? You know. <laughs> it, yeah. Whereas yeah, Steve War and Jack Callis's view would be. Well, we make sure that we grind the opposition in, you know. Whereas Mark Wall would go, "I've got a hundred now. It's time to, you know, just tee off and entertain, you know, and then, you know, go and have a little bet on the horses and go and enjoy a nice tea, you know." And and that was that was the uh, yeah that was the the beauty of someone watching Mark Wall bat. He was he was beautifully you know was graceful, It was a great time with the ball. But the other two just churned out runs. And, and so being on the park with them, you knew once these guys got in, Callis and Steve Waugh were potentially going to change that test match and make life hell for you. Mm. So that was, that was my, my tricky bit, obviously, because when I looked at the stats, Jack Callis was actually on the bowling stats low down in the 90s, but he wasn't even on the batting stats mm. in the 90s. And I was quite surprised by that. Because he made his debut in Cape Town. I remember in that uh, test match where we we lost in Cape Town. That's where he made his debut in 1994, I think. And um, I I was surprised thinking another six years went by and he wasn't even on, well, I don't know how many players were on that list, 50 maybe. I was statistically challenged by the fact that Callis wasn't there, but when you look at him and he, whatever he averaged by the end of his career, and you look at him as a cricketer and he got 290 odd test wickets, you know, 13,000 test runs, average 55. You know, I've, I struggle to put Mark Waugh above Jack Callis into, into my batting order. But I'm, if you are going to stat-based, then I am going to have to concede to you guys on this one. Um, and, and, and you can have your pick on, on, on that position. As you may well have your pick on Ponting as well. Mm. But obviously, as you say, we agree with Tendulkar, Lara, War. You've given us a steward at the top. Um, I think I'm getting four out of six of my selections in. <laughs> yeah,
2: you'll take that. What about Aravinda <laughs> then, Graham? What do you think about Aravinda? Yeah, a
0: great player. I listened to exactly what you said, and I know he's very high up in the 90s on his stats. Brilliant player of spin as you, and, and a very good player of fast bowling. So... If you want to, go, if you want to go stats and Callis is not in there, and Mark War's not in there, then I would go with Aravinda.
1: Mm. Yeah, just, just on Callis. So Callis only played thirty two tests in the nineties, um, and in in lockdown one we picked a a test team of the two thousands. And rest assured, Callis was in that one, as was Ponting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they'll go to sleep easy if um, we don't. We don't include him in
2: this one. Sorry, guys, yeah, just, just on ponting as well, just to finish yeah, off on yeah. that. He played 33 games in the, in the decade and and probably the turn of the century was when he really became that top, top, top world-class player and the most uncompromising player of his generation. Before that, he was a little bit in and out of that side um, and he made 100 in the 97 Ashes, Graham, which I think you'll probably remember. Yeah. Before that, yeah. I think it was maybe in the fourth test, but before that he was struggling for runs a little bit and... You know, he was batting at six in that side, up and down the order a little bit. And he had one or two off-field things going on as well. So it wasn't really until right. the turn of the century where he really became the, the monster player that, that we obviously know that he no. was. He averaged 44 in the 90s. Um, if it was 1990 to 2002, then he's in. He's in in a heartbeat. But I think the yeah.
0: cut off So at the moment, we're want. going Stuart. we're going Stewart. Who's the other opener? Amois. And what? Then who are you putting at three now? Then Lara,
1: Sachin.
0: Yep. Lara Sachin? Steve, then Ward. Steve Ward's going to be in there. Steve Waugh, and then um, whoever is your number know, six, so you're going to go Aravinda.
3: I think Aravinda gets gets the nod. And I concede. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Moving
1: on to the keeper. So two of you chose uh, Ian Healy. But, John, you you didn't. You chose Andy Flower, um, which I thought was quite interesting because when we were picking the ODI side of the decade um, for wisdom.com earlier in the week, there weren't really anyone who stood out with a brilliant record with the gloves, um, sorry, with the bat, who who could also keep. But then we realised, is is that actually, that's okay in the 90s because keepers weren't judged quite as much on their batting then. Do you think Flower's case with the bat was just too strong to ignore?
3: Well, uh, this is a slightly sort of, obtuse pick in the sense, you know, Healy, Healy played 102 tests in the nineties and the next, in terms of keepers, the next, the next is Alec with 42. So it's kind of no context really, but Flower, um Flower played 35 tests, scored two and a half thousand runs at 44, 600s and 1450s. He scored some big hundreds. He didn't, you know, fair play. He didn't, he didn't play against Australia or West Indies, but that's kind of not his fault. Um, I just sort of thought, I, I've got a soft spot for Fleur, I think he's just, you know, in a, playing for Zimbabwe, just, he, you know, he basically was, he was a proper, you know, international class player in a, in a kind of very, obviously, modest emerging side, so, um, you know, I can't, I'll be honest, I can't really vouch for his keeping, and keeping to our spinner, who we can probably guess who that might be, but whoever it might be, might be a challenge for anybody, but Maybe for someone like Flower, I don't know, probably keep all the time either. Um, but, yeah, so I, I just, I, you know, he he makes a, a decent case. But, yeah, I mean, Healy as a keeper and in terms of longevity and all the rest of it. But, I mean, as a, as a batter, I mean, Healy was, you know, was a very useful batter. But I'd say he's more, you know, he's probably more of an eight than a seven, really, if you're being honest. Um, so, uh, yeah, and it's not, I mean, crikey, it's not like we're short of batting in this team. But, yeah, Flower, I, that was my, you know...
1: That's my my uh, manifesto for Andy Flowers' inclusion. Uh, Graeme, for, for people who've not watched um, Ian Healy play live, just how good a keeper was he? Because there'll be people who just look at his numbers and go, why, why, why is he a Yeah, in?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Ian Healy has said uh, his two best stumpings were both off me when I was batting. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, was, one was at Edgebaston when I was a bit of a greenhorn. And actually... Um, the story behind that was that Steve Waugh was at Silly Point. It's the only time I've been outsledged on a cricket pitch. And I, and I said to myself when I was walking off, that's never going to happen again. We were eight down. I was batting with Martin Beckner. I was 60 not out. And Ian Healy turned around to Steve Waugh. who was at Silly Point. He said, yeah, he goes, uh, watch this little prick play for a Red Inca. <laughs> and I charged out of my crease. tried to hit one for six. And, it, and it, obviously I missed it and hit the rough. And it was a great take. And um Healy took that one. I think the other one might may have been at Perth where I was trying to hit one again into out of Perth after I got to uh, I was having my wa- mark war moment I've got hundred and twenty on the board, and I'm thinking right now's the time to t- take the blonde lad down and um it's a very similar thing massive bounce <laughs> on the ball. Healy took two great stumpings, which I think I've heard him talk about on um on a on a TV uh, show before um. It was also, well, it, it, you're right. I mean, I, I understand the flower argument with the batting and the probably he under, average under 30, I would, I would um, yeah. believe, in his test career. But as a selector, I've just gone for the out-and-out out, uh, wicketkeeper in that generation. So I've gone quite old school on that. Um, and uh, he was a great character as well. Um, very funny. I mean, there, there was an incident where... Uh, I was in Brisbane and I went to sweep the ball and uh, Glenn McGrath was at uh, short fine leg at the time. And I went to sweep the ball and I missed it. And uh, Ian Healy's shouted to, uh, to McGrath at short fine leg. Get it pigeon. Get it, get it. <laughs> i have nearly, I've nearly set off for a single <laughs> little. Did I know that the ball is in Ian Healy's hands. He's taking it down the leg side. And, um, I turned round to to Healy and go. I said, "You wouldn't, would you?" He said, "Try me, mate." <laughs> yeah. and, uh, so so he was a great he was a great character, and um, he was he was one of those Aussies in the '90s. There was a handful of them, you know. If if we did well against uh, Australia in that period, they were they were, they were forthcoming with a pack of six into your dressing room and and uh, and, and share a beer and chat the game over, which was great. They, they weren't all like that,
3: but a few of them were.
1: Well, I, th- I think Healy makes our 11. Then,
3: sorry, on the subject of keepers, yeah. Can I just throw in that Gilchrist played five tests in the 90s, an average 60. It's sort of like you know, even though he's this wasn't his era at all, and it was just, but he still he was on the move, you know. So I mean, I had him in, and then
0: I realised, hold on, I looked at the stats, and I went, nah, no, hold on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Before we go on to the bowlers, we've got a very exciting announcement from Wisden HQ this week. We are launching the Wisden drinks collection in the run-up to Christmas. We're selling a beer, rye, gin and vodka. Head to wisdom.com forward slash shop to see what you can get. Next week, we'll talk about the spirits in a bit of detail. But right now, because my batch arrived today, I'm going to quickly talk through the beers. Um, So each Wisden Ale gift pack consists of three cans of The Little Wonder, an amber ale with a toffee and biscuit malt backbone with a delicate fruit aroma, and three cans of the afternoon session, a refreshing session pale ale that provides a citrus aroma. Each can has a profile on the back of it of a former Wisdom Cricketer of the Year. The can I have here uh, features Malcolm Marshall, who was the Wisdom Cricketer of the Year in 1983. Um, And each case also comes with six beer mats that also have a profile of a previous Wisdom Cricketer of the Year on them. Uh, So I've I've got Shane Warne over here. I'm very excited, Phil. Um, you're excited about these as well.
2: Oh mate, I can barely contain myself. Um, and I'm I'm drinking from the gaffer. I'm drinking from Alex Stewart himself, <laughs> right here and now. 1993 Wisden Cricket of the Year, and he's in our team. Very
3: You'll good. be expecting a slice of that, won't he? I should imagine. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on.
1: On to the bowlers. I think this is where it gets. This is gets. This is where it gets really tough. Um, I remember when we picked the side of the 2000s. There were loads of batsmen we talked about who averaged north of 50 in that decade, including yourself, Graham. Um, this time round, we've got loads of bowlers who average just around 20. Uh, and I know it's, no, it's not all about averages, but you've got some of the all-time great bowlers in the history of the game in this era. So picking four is a real challenge. Um, Graham, you, you actually faced the guy, so we'll, st- we'll start with you first. Which three seam bowlers did you, did you pick?
0: Well, I, I've gone on, obviously, personal experience of facing them. Um, and their and their records were, were were good in that era as well so I've gone was he It's I wanted a, it's nice even get the left armor in there and he was he was one of those guys who uh was quick had a he sort of his action it wasn't straightforward to pick up and that made him a little bit harder as well so there have been other quicks out there for example someone like alan donald was fast, but actually his action to pick up was. Was easier than others. Um, whereas Akram would sort of scuttle up to the crease, very fast. Arm, good with the new ball. Had the ability to hit you on the head, hit you on the toe, and knock your knock your poles over as well. And then, and if the ball reversed, he was lethal. He was a lethal bowler around or over the wicket. Could change his angles. Um, and I would have tried many different things um, against him. Um but i never ever felt that i uh, felt comfortable with the crease against him uh so on, the, on that reason alone he's he he was probably probably in the first bowler down
1: mm. um and you also pick curtly Ambrose as well who John Ambrose I know, pick.
0: yeah I, mean, they, I actually at times uh, between Ambrose and walsh i i felt like i'd line Ambrose up, but he gave you very very little and um if there was anything in the surface he would get it out of the surface and he just had the ability to uh, from a back of a length or i mean i reckon i played five series with kelly ambrose he bowled me three half volleys i reckon in that time i can i can remember all the all the drives down the ground off him there were only three and that and so he gave you very very little so you had to make that decision whether i'm, I'm as a batsman am i going to going to drop and run I'm going to have to line him up or can I pull him? And you were having to occasionally make a premeditated decision against him that I'm going to go deeper in my crease and try to pull him and see if I can um, knock him off his guard a little bit. But he was he was very hard to knock off his guard. You know, he, he knew what it was all about. And um, he gave you very, very little as a fast bowler. So that's why he's in for me. Uh, so I had Akram Ambrose. And then, then the other one was quite tricky because obviously Glenn McGrath was a fantastic bowler. But Sean Pollock, for, for me, being a left-hander, got very close to the stumps, had the ability to swing the ball um, probably more than McGrath. And he was equally as smart uh, as McGrath as well in terms of working his batsmen out. And I just struggled more against Sean Pollock than I did for Glenn McGrath. And uh, and so that's why uh, that was one of those sort of personal choices um, where I went Pollock over McGraw, which might surprise some people.
2: It doesn't really surprise me. It, Pollock's record in the 90s was outrageous, really. And you mentioned Ambrose, you know, barely went a two runs and over. Pollock was the same. Their economy rates are comfortably below anyone else of the of the quicks at the time. Also, I've, I've always remember what Athers used to say. Pollock's bouncer was the toughest to face because it's kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. And he's not necessarily associated with being quick, quick, but he was clearly quick enough. He hit a lot of people. And, and, and I've heard
0: sometimes even, you know, when I, I, I talk to Ath, I say about Archer, very similar, very close to the stumps at times, straight over the top and very little indicator that it's going to be a bouncer. Uh, and because obviously uh, when Pollock first started his career, he was fast. You know, I can remember his debut test match where I think I was his first wicket, but he hit Robin Smith on the head three times right. at uh, Pretoria. And Robin didn't get hit that much really on the head. And he hit him three times on the head. And uh, Robin came in at lunchtime. He said, as if, well, I, I won't swear because we're on it, but as this little so-and-so, you know, kind of hit me on the head three times. Uh, but, that was his action. He was close to stumps. Any any movement, yeah, yeah that, that's, that's why I had him in for me.
1: Mm.
3: John, who do you go for? Well, just before that, I, I was speaking to John Snow recently for the next edition of Wisden Cricket Monthly, and we were talking about the notion of pace and sort of whether English fast bowlers are, you know, whether we developed or, you know, been receptive enough to to quick bowlers over the years. And he, he said, you know, it's not about pace. You've got to be fast enough, which is a comment that, you know, we, we've heard tonight as well. That, and the thing about archery is it is, is right. It's not, you know, there's no point being fast for the, hell, for the hell of it. You know, it's, and you mentioned earlier, Graham, about the accuracy of these bowlers that we're talking about. Um, the other thing, again, sorry, yes, just, I'll tell you who I picked, but, you know, we're talking, we're leaving a bunch of blokes on the bench here, kind of world-class all-time bowlers. And I think, you know, one of the things that made the nineties a golden era for test cricket was the quality of these fast bowling attacks around the world. Um, the spin bowling, obviously there's some greats in there, but it's not very, it's not a very deep list, but the, the quicks, unbelievable. I actually, so initially I picked Donald and then in the end I picked Waka. Um, and, um, I mean, I don't know. It's 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 choose your poison, isn't it? Really, but um, he got more tenfers than than anyone else. I mean, five for what it's worth. But it's just you know, if you the variation, uh, the old ball ability as well. I don't know. I just um, in the end went for him. Um, you know, Wazin, Kurtley, and Wakar seem like a pretty good mix to me. But yeah, Donald Donald's clearly an option as well. I I didn't actually consider Pollock really, but um. You know, possibly again. I'm thinking of him as a different era or the, the next decade. But, um, but yeah, I went for went for Wacker, and I guess Graham, you'd have faced Wacker. You know, they've been on the same team as him as well. I guess as well.
0: I did, and 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 uh, it was it was it was hard. Uh, but again, my personal experience of playing against Wacker was uh, he was a better, he was more lethal to right-handers than he was to left-handers. Yeah. So he. I reckon, so Waka got me out twice with the new ball, but he never got me out with the old ball, whereas Wazim would get me out with the old ball because Waka could not reverse swing the ball back into a left-hander. Mm-hmm. He could hold it up. And I, I, I just found the other three at, at a different level. So I know there is very much a bit of a personal uh, experience of, of playing against those guys who I felt put me under more pressure technically um, as, as, a, as a batsman. Um, and you're right. There were a, a hell of a lot of bowlers. You're talking about Courtney Walsh, Alan Donald, Wacha Eunice, um, even someone like I don't know where Srinath was in the nineties, Indian uh, uh, quick um, as well. Yeah. Um, and there would have been, there would have been, yeah, Glenn McGrath sitting on the sidelines, quite quite a tricky one to leave out as well. Um, so I think if we agree on two, Akram and Ambrose, you can. You can argue about Pollock, but...
2: Well, all right, I'll, I'll step in here. For me, it was a toss-up between Pollock and, and Wakar and I went with Wakar because, you know, it's a bit more thrilling, I suppose. But who, who are we to step in and say to you, Graham, that, no, sorry, mate, you're not going to have Pollock <laughs> your team, you're going to have Wacker when you've actually faced them from 22 yards? So... Uh, I think we can all just sit back on this one and go with Pollock, who's, as I say, his record is outrageous. Just to be slightly cheeky, um, if you had to put in an England quick from the 90s into this side, who, who would it be? Um,
0: probably Goff. Probably Goff. Based on when, nice. he were, when he was quick, he would have been about closest to Waka Yunus. So good with the new ball quick enough. Um, as Goffey would say, he may have benefited from the uh, 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 sports science era of the, the <laughs> 2010 onwards with England. But, um, but when he was at his best, he, he, he had that uh, bullish belief um, as a cricketer that he could do anything on, on, on a cricket field. And when he was at his best, he would get the best players out for you as well.
2: Pollock it is, John. Are you comfortable with that?
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, very I'm
2: much done. Okay, so it's Wazim Ambrose uh, and Pollock,
3: and it's another another nationality in the mix as well. Yeah, all mm. true. We're not going to get any grief here on social media. We're covered. <laughs> <it> more, <laughs> not, not much. Very good.
1: Direct all problems to at Phil underscore Wisdom. <laughs> um, the last spot on the team was was again one that was unanimous. You all picked Shane Warne over Murray and Kumle. Graham, I guess, so it's not really a debate about whether he's inside, but just again, just to hear your um, experiences of, of facing arguably the greatest bowler of all time.
0: Well, I've often um, spoken about Shane in a way that he was a great competitor to start with. I mean, when I played against him in 93, you have to remember he didn't have, I didn't play him like a lot of other players did um, after that, where he's, he's Shane won. When I first played against him, I just thought, who's this bloke with blonde hair? You know, got a lot of gob on him, you know. But actually could land the ball consistently in the same place and do it from a different angle on the crease. Um, He had had, uh, uh, variations, had a top spinner. Never a great googly, but could lower his arm, you know. And he could keep delivering the ball into an area where he didn't give you a lot. To hit you had to come up with something so the best bowlers in the world batsmen have to come up with something where they can put pressure onto onto great bowlers and um but i didn't i never played the man ever with, with shane because probably i was a very similar age to him coming through so he a, he was a great competitor i i think Shane would tell you over a beer, even talking to me, he would say, he made. he said, I, I, could, I could read exactly where you're at within about 10 balls of bowling at you. Whether you felt confident, whether you're going to sweep me, whether you're going to take me on, whether you're going to be slightly more defensive, what language I could use against you, you know, as well. Whether I could be kind of a bit smart and tell you, you've never hit me through extra cover in two, two series. So why do I need an extra cover? Um, and then he'd throw up a big, you know, leggy outside uh, leg stump. Uh, sorry, off stump, you know, and see whether you'd actually drive it. So he was a, he, he was the all-round package, you know, for me. He, would, he was probably the player. If you said, if we could have one Australian playing for England in, in that period, I, I would have said, oh, we'll take Shane Warne, you know. Um, whether the Aussies would have played him differently, I don't know. Um, but th- those are my experiences for him. You know, and loved the game. You yeah, know, if you did well against him, he'd, uh, again, he'd be another um, guy who would be happy to come and sit, have a beer with you, tell you, well played. You know, that was that was a great knock. Um, and, um, but yeah, I come back to what I said earlier about the accuracy of, of, a, of a bowler. Um, astonishing that he, I can, I can probably, again, like with Ambrose, count the amount of long hops he bowled me in about four or five series. And I reckon there was probably two or three. The rest, you had to kind of find a way of putting pressure on him.
3: Brilliant. The impression of, of leg spinners before worn, or the the impression, a you know, bit like with sort of English quick bowlers or whatever, it's assumed that, well, they'll give you, you know, they'll, they'll bowl a four ball and over and that's just the way leg spinners are. But he completely, just completely debunked that notion, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he did. And there was, very rarely there was a fizz actually batting against him there was a fizz you heard it come out of his hand you know and um and and that that was the thing which was uh which i noticed when i first played against him that snap as the ball came out of his hand um and as many people would say uh, a, a, a rare and unique cricketer and I, I felt um in a way uh, You know, looking at the bowlers in in that era, I always felt very honoured, actually, with the era which I played in um, against some of these bowlers because, you know, their records are phenomenal. (laughs) You know, you're talking about guys who average 20, 21, you know, in in test cricket, having played over 100 test matches. You know, it's it's quite astonishing, really, to have that level of longevity and consistent high performance. You know, as a, as a, as a as a cricketer, you know, and and I considered myself, you know, I gave it a fair crack, but I look at this, some of these guys, and I just think they were at it on on a different level, you know, uh, as, as cricketers. But they would have it, it did it didn't happen by fluke, you know. They 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 worked bloody hard at, at, at their games as well. They had to have done.
1: We we have an eleven. It's it is some eleven. I'll run through it quickly. Um Alex Stewart, Sai Anwar, Brian Lara, Sachin Tendulkar, Steve Waugh, who I think we agree is captain. Yes. Ian Healy, Sean Pollock, Wazi Akram, Shane Warne, and Curtly Ambrose. That is, that is some 11. Thank you very much, all three of you. Graham, it's been a genuine pleasure having you on. Uh, thanks for taking some time out of your, your tour and best of luck with, with that tour. Thanks, John. Thanks, Phil. Listeners, if you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. And if you're feeling especially kind, why well, don't you leave us a five-star review and the podcast app. Cheers.
0: Podcast Network.